This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com And um, we're going to go back to last week in Perak Beige. It says the following. So we spoke last week that um, that uh, Levi Amram actually got um, divorced or separated, got divorced from Yecheven and they had Eldad and Meda. We spoke about that last week. We're going to go back to Perak Beige. It says the following. She saw that Moshe Rabbeinu was good. There's different proportion. What does that mean that he was good? He had a certain glow. He was born with a bris milah. He didn't cry. Um, she couldn't hide him anymore, right? And she put uh, Moshe Rabbeinu in a teva. Why, why, why does the word, why does the Torah use the word teva? It's not really a teva. Teva is what Noah built, an ark. It was an ark. She didn't put him in an ark. They didn't build an ark. She put him in a basket. A basket's called a tene. Right? The reason, the reason that the Torah tells us that she put him in a teva is that we know that a person has to come back to this world, um, in a Gilgal to be masaking to fix what happened last time. And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of Noah. And Noah, what Noah did wrong, the reason he was called Tzadik Vidai Raisov, only in his generation was because he didn't, he, he saved himself and his family. But Lamais, he didn't save the world. The world was destroyed. So, as Rashi says over there, that if he lived in the times of Avram, he would be, he wouldn't be anyone because Avram saved the world. But Noah only saved himself. So, that wasn't a, a sort of something not good. And he had to come back to the world to fix it. So we know, we, we've spoken about this before. Actually, I just spoke in the uh, Hatsola. Um, Hatzalah had, on Hanukkah, had a, um, a special night for the Hatzalah members and their wives. And I, I thought this was a very important point. So it says that when, when a person comes back in a Gilgal, everyone in this room is a Gilgal. We're all Gilgulim. There's no new Nishamas. And the reason we're back is we weren't, last time we weren't really evil. We weren't Rashaim, because if we were Rashaim, we'd be in Gehenim right now, Chas Rashaim. We also weren't the greatest of people, all of us. We weren't Sadiqim, because then we'd all be in Ganeiden. So we're, last time we were here, we were baining him. We didn't deserve Gehenna, we didn't deserve Ganeiden. We were sort of in between. So we're all back here as human beings. You know, there's, there's many Gugulim. You could be a plant, you could be a, you could be a rock, you could be a bird, a fish, an animal, an insect. Well, everyone in this room, Baruch Hashem, is human beings. So you have a really good shot at fixing what happened because it's not, it's not a sort of, not, it's not a sentence of you have to spend a certain amount of years in this world suffering. But it's a, you came back as a human being, so you're on the top of the four things, right? There's a, there's diamond, which is a rock, and there's tamach, which is a plant, and then there's chai, which is an animal, and then there's there's medaba, which is a human being. Sometimes you have to go through all of them. You have to be a rock, you have to be dirt, and they plant something, and then the animal comes and eats the grass, and then you shech the animal, and that's how you fix it. But we're not we're not none of those. We are we are we are human beings. So we're back here to be misogyn, and it says that. When you come back to this world, so the thing that's your biggest challenge is why you're here. In other words, there's always one big thing you gotta deal with, and you have like a million little things you have to deal with. But there's like one mean the one thing that you just is just very hard for you to deal with. And that's really what you messed up last time. Whatever that Avera is that you're fighting, it's your source of it, Tokushnahara be jealous, get angry, you know, whatever it was, whatever it is, that's the one that you're fighting, not the little ones, but the one that you're fighting the most, that you're having the hardest time, that's why a person's back. So Moshe Rabbeinu's fight, so to say, was that he was going to be put in the same position, and that position was to save himself and his family, and not, and not save the world. He had to be put in that same exact Situation, and he was, because that was the situation Noah was in, and he failed. So Moshe Rabbeinu became the leader of Klai Yisrael, and he was put in a position where later on, when Klai Yisrael served the Egel, served the golden calf, the Torah says that Hashem came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said that because they did such a terrible sin, I'm going to destroy the Klai Yisrael, and from you and your wife and your children will come the new Klai Yisrael. Exactly the same test. But no one had, I'll save you, but everyone else is going to be destroyed. Because you always have to have 
the same test, actually in the same place. You have the same test in the same place. So what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu later on was that when Hashem told him that, he said, He said, I don't want to live and the Jewish nation should come from me. If you destroy the Jews, then you, I want to be destroyed with them. Something that Noah didn't say. Noah could have said the same thing. And I saw in a Medrash that if Noah would have said the same thing, he would have saved the world. If he would have said, Hashem, it's either the whole world, including me, or it's no one, Hashem would have saved the world. He never said that. He said, okay, I'll build a table, I'll save my family. He never said that. So, so Moshe Rabbeinu, he did say that. He said, he said, He said, erase me from your svarim. No chomim, no shmos, no bamidbar, no bayikra. I'm done. If they're done, I'm done. And Hashem said, now you were misakin what Noach did. The word mocheni, memches nun yud, spells the same letter, spelled me Noach. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, mocheni, no misifrecha, erase, May Noach from Yisvarim. And erase what I did, the rains, May Noach, the waters of Noach, which is the word Mecheni, erase that, Misifracha, because now I am fixing that, because I am not allow, I am not allowing you to kill Klaishal and save me. So the reason that the Torah, the Chidot says this, if you other Mepharshim, the reason that the Torah uses the word over here when he was a baby, that she put him, right, the Tikal with Tevas Gomer, interesting also, that you put him in a Teva, because he was Noach. Noach was in a Teva. So really the Teva doesn't, she put him in a little teeny basket. But the Torah uses the word Teva, interesting, I'll tell you something else, because he was put into that guild, so all of us that are in this world, and you think you're doing something, you're going through new tests, you're not going through new tests. You're going through what you failed last time. They made it waterproof. So we hear it says it says I think it was made out of reeds, whatever it is, and she made and she made it waterproof. So you have to be put in the same in the same position. Rav Shem says an unbelievable share on this, um, and he says that. He says, so what happens if a person, last time you were here, this man became a Christian, became a non-Jew, went into a church, they put the holy water on him, they put the wafer under his tongue, and he decided to convert himself. So now, he has to come back into this world, and he has to fix that. Which means that they got to put him back in a church. Well, if he's a Jewish guy... How is he supposed, because you have to, you go back into the same test in the same place. How, how, he's gonna go into a church, like, how, how is he, how's he gonna fix what he did last time? He has to end up in a church again. So Shim Shimpinga said, because that you're gonna be in the same position as you were last time is going to happen. But what position you are as a person at that point, that you put into that place, that's up to you. So, Let's say a church. Let's say last time he went into a church and he converted to Christianity. So he's going to go into a church. There's nothing to talk about. He has to go into a church. But it could be in one of three ways. One, he could be doing it again, converting. That would be really bad. Then he didn't fix anything. Two, he might be going to an AA meeting. AA meetings take place in a church, right? He may be going to an AA, NA, any of those A meetings, which is done in the, right? So he's going, so he's not doing an Avera, right? He's going to fix himself, but he still wasn't massacring the Avera that he did last time. Or there used to be a place called, there used to be a, a, a comedy um, act that was called Chicago City Limits. And the reason I, I remember this is because when I was a, just married a few years, so this group, the Chicago City Limits, was a um, an off-Broadway show, very, very funny, and my friends bought tickets to go, and they wanted me to go with them, and I asked them, where is it? And it was playing in the basement of a church in Manhattan. They, that's, what they, that's what they were using to, to put up, where they put on the show, and I said, I'm not going. And they went, they asked the rabbi, because it's not in the church, it's the basement of the church, eh, whatever it is, I'm like, I'm not going, right? But, 
they ended up in the basement of a church to go see a comedy act. Also, not the end of the world, but not fixing what they did last time. Or, this guy, who last time converted, he, this time he's in, on earth, he, what he does is he does kiruv. He does kiruv. He, he, he breaks cults. He breaks missionaries. So he ends up in the church taking a Jewish kid, right, who they took there to convert and pulling him out and saving him. So he's gonna end up in a church. Question is, how is he gonna end up in a church? And the, the reason I spoke about this in, um, in the Hatzalah was that as much as Hatzalah members are always running out, running out, running out, their families are not very happy about it. Cause sometimes, in the middle of a meal, or the kids, you know, finally got his father by a Hanukkah party, and they're sitting down to the Hanukkah party, and all of a sudden his, his, his you know, his, his walkie-talkie goes off and he has to run. Not always are the kids so happy that their father's in a hot cellar. Not always are the wives so happy that my husband, every time we sit down to talk, he's gone. Right? So, many, many years ago, I went to my Rebbe, Rebbe Gamliel, with my wife, and my wife talks very openly to Rebbe Gamliel, and they were having this discussion that, you know, um, my husband's always running after this one, running after that one. He's hardly ever home, and he's, and he's, and you know, and all these kids that have Taurus, and people who have Taurus are coming to him, whatever it is. And he said that a person, when he comes to this world, you, Hashem says, this, this soul is going to have the following amount of Taurus. Now, if you're helping other people with Taurus, so you're taking on their Taurus, so you're going to have those Taurus, you're going to be dealing with those problems, Except it's not your kid's problem, it's not your problem, it's somebody else's problem that you're dealing with. But you're going to deal with those problems. That's going to happen. How you're going to deal with those problems, the position you're going to be in, that's up to you, depending on, on what you do. So, many years ago, not that many years ago, um, and I've told this story, I was, I was, whatever it was, there was a situation, and I was up till 3 o'clock at night. I was up 3 o'clock at night with, with this girl, we took her to the hospital, a whole, a whole situation. And I finally got home. It was like 3.15. And I, it was a week where I hardly slept the whole week. I was extremely, extremely tired. And, you know, you get into that bed and it's cold at night. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's cold. And you get into that bed and you pull that blanket over and you're like, put your head on that pillow and you're ready to go to sleep. And usually when I go to sleep, I turn my phone to silent. And I was... One, if you call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're never going to wake me up. If I'm up, then my phone is on, you're going to wake me up. If I'm sleeping, it's on silent. Whenever, so that, that's what I do. That night, I was so tired that when I put the phone next to me, I didn't put it on silent. I was just falling asleep. And the phone rings. I'm like, it's 3.15, I'm nervous. I don't know, my family, who's calling me at 3.15 in the morning... So I pick it up. And I was like, in twilight, I was like, I didn't even know where I was anymore. You know, there's like, when you say, there's the greatest moment and the worst moment. I always say that. The greatest moment, the, the, the worst moment is, at least for a guy, is you get into bed and you're in your pajamas and you put on the blanket and you put your head on the pillow and you're ready to go to sleep and you're like, uh-oh, I didn't daven my roof. <laughs> And you're like, oh no, I gotta get dressed, get in my car, drive to shul, because there's no excuse not to dine with the minion today, because Shemir Shabbos in Borough Park on 53rd and 13th Avenue has a minion till 3.30 a.m. So it's like, no reason not to dine with the minion, and you're like, oh no. No, I'm not gonna get out of bed, you know, but I gotta get out of bed. That's the worst feeling. What's the best feeling? The best feeling? Is, oh no, I forgot to dive a mire, but I gotta get out of bed, it's two o'clock in the morning, I gotta get dressed, it's freezing outside. Oh no, I did dive a mire. That's the best feeling. That's the best feeling. I forgot, but I did dive a mire. But anyway, so, I pick up the phone, it's, hi, this is Hatsala. So first your heart jumps, who knows, right? It's like, we have one of your girls in the bus. She's refusing medical help. She doesn't want to go to the hospital. Rabbi Wallstein, we need you um, to meet us and to go with us and make sure that she goes to the hospital. She's in very bad shape. I'm like, 
can you call someone else? Please, there's a dorm counselor. Maybe uh, you can wake up her teacher or the principal. I'm so tired. And he's like, Rabbi Wallerstein, we're in your driveway. <laughs> and then I look, and he, of course the lights were off, whatever it is, and he just turns his light on for a second. You know, the red lights, and I say, oh, come on. You're in my driveway. So I get dressed. I'm like, Esty, you're not going to believe this. What's going on? I'm like, there's a girl in the, in the, in the ambulance downstairs. I got to go with her to the hospital. I am so tired, I can't even see straight. I put on my clothing. I go downstairs. I get into the back of the ambulance. She's laying on the gurney, throwing her brains up, right? She's like really not well. And they're like, she doesn't want us to take her to the hospital, but and she's over 18, but we, we need to take her to the hospital. And we need to sign, you need to sign this paper. And I'll make up her name, Esther. I'm like, Esther, it's Robert Wallerstein. I'm here. I don't want to be here, but I'm here. Um, and we're going to the hospital, and you need to go to the hospital. And I'm going to sign the paper. Actually, I need you to sign this paper. And she's like, all right, well, okay. Then I'm going to, if you're here, I'm going to go, whatever it is. I'm like, okay. So she signed the paper. She's really sick. And we start driving to the hospital. And I'm sitting there on the side. She's in the gurney. And I'm like, Hashem, I mean, not tonight. Like, why tonight? Like, it's 3, at that time it was like 3.45. It's like 3.45 in the morning. I, I don't have, I just, I just finished taking that girl to the hospital. Now I'm going to take this girl to the hospital. I'm not, not going to be finished till 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to sleep. I had some kind of place I had to go speak that morning, whatever it was. I'm dizzy. And I'm like sitting on the side. And I'm like, and you know, the ambulance is shaking and we're driving. And he's got the thing on. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> and then I don't, all of a sudden, I said this by that cellar thing. All of a sudden, I'm looking at this girl, and she's, like, really sick. And I'm like, I'm Rosh Hashanah. They wrote in my book, Zechariah Wallstein is going to be in an ambulance at 3.15, Monday morning, on his way to Maimonides. If you took on in your life to help girls, you're going to be in that ambulance, except it's not going to be you in the gurney. It's not going to be you, but you're going to the hospital. You're going anyway, because that's what was written. But it's up to you how you're going in the ambulance. Are you the patient? Or are you the person helping the patient? So if your life is given to help people, then, and, and this is what we say, listen very carefully. On Yom Kippur, listen to what you say. Or as you're shining Yom Kippur, you say, Utshuva, Utsidaka, Utfila. Right? Tshuva, tzedakah, and tefillah, charity. Ma'avirin! It's roya ha-gezerah. It doesn't say it breaks the gezerah. It says ma'avirin means it moves it. It adjusts it. Ma'avirin doesn't mean that Hashem takes the gezerah and rips, it to, rips the gezerah apart. No. Tshuva, tzedakah, and tefillah, ma'avirin. What does that mean? Ma'avirin means to carry over. What do you mean he carries over till next year? I don't want this problem next year. No. The Gzaira is you're going to be in that ambulance at 3.15 in the morning. But if you do Tvila, Tvila, Tzedakah, Mavirin, he moves the Gzaira, then you're in the ambulance at 3 o'clock in the morning. So it's not you that's sick. Somebody else that's sick that you're taking care of. That's up to you. That you're going to be in the ambulance, that's not up to you. You're going to be in the ambulance. That you're going to be dealing with that sorrow, with that problem, that's already written with Shani Yom Kippur. But are you going to be the one that, are you dealing with your daughter? Are you dealing with your sister? Or are you dealing with somebody else? That's up to you. If you're helping people, then, okay, so then instead of you having that problem, somebody else, you, that other person that you're taking care of. So, so, I, so I told I told them, I said, ladies, I'm, not, I'm sure you're not happy your husband's in an ambulance. But he's going to be in an ambulance. Because that's what's written. The question is, is he going to be the patient or the person saving the patient? That's up to him. You're going to come back in a Gilgal. You're going to be in the church. You're going to be in the same position. The question is, are you going to be becoming a Christian? Are you going to be AA? Are you going to be going to Chicago City Limits? Or are you going to be in there saving someone else? That's up to you. Well, Shabbana was coming back. Moshe Rabbeinu was going back in a teva. Moshe Rabbeinu was being put in the same position. The question is, what was he going to do with it? He, he, he was misaking his tikkun. So that is up to the person, depending what they're doing in their life. So, 
and when I think about everything that I deal with, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, when my neshama came to this world, they had a big book of tzaras. If I wouldn't have gone into what I do, I could not have dealt with all these sorrows that would have happened to me. I don't know how I could have even dealt with it. So, by doing chesed, by helping others, Ma'avirin is still there. But how you're going to be in that ambulance, you're going to be in that ambulance. But how you're going to be in that ambulance depends on how you live your life. So, that connects very, very much to what happened in the beginning of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. It says here that he put, they put Moshe Rabbeinu in, in, in the Nile River, right? And it says that Basparo came down to go into the... Why was she going there to wash? So one, one major says that she had terrible leprosy, so she was going there to wash. And there's another major that says she was actually becoming a Jew. She wanted to get rid of the Avoid Zara. So she was becoming a ger. And how does a woman become a ger? Right? What does she have to do? She has to go to the mikvah. So that she was actually going down to the Nile River to go to the mikvah to become a Jew. And she sees this little basket, right? In the, in the middle of the, of the Nile River. She sends her maid she takes her. And then before she say, no, what's vatishlach? She said. She actually put her hand out, and her hand stretched like Gumby, all those who know what Gumby is, right? Stretched like Gumby, and it kept going, kept going, kept going, and she grabbed the, the basket, and she brought it back. And she opened it, and she saw the baby. But then the Pasuk says, and there was a young boy that was crying. And she had pity on him. <coughs> she said, this is a Jewish kid. There's a few questions here. Number one, why did Hashem have to make a miracle? God does not make miracles for no reason. Why couldn't he just bring a wind? The wind would come. It's not, it's not a miracle, a wind. And the wind would blow the basket to the shore. And then she would take the basket out of the water. What do we need a miracle that she puts out her hand, keeps going and going and going? That's a crazy miracle, right? And someone's hand goes like that. Hashem, what are you making a miracle? Bring a little wind. Basket comes to see. She picks it up. So that's number one. Why do we need this miracle? Number two, make up your mind. Is this a baby or is this a little boy? Right? It says, but tiftach was She saw the young boy, the, the, the baby, and all of a sudden he's a, he's a young, he's a young lad. Doesn't make any sense. So it should say either, she saw the baby, and behold, the baby was crying. Or, if it was a big boy, she said, can't be that from when she saw that he was a baby, that a, that a young man was crying. So Rashi says that the voice of Moshe Rabbeinu didn't sound like a baby's voice. He cried like a young man. That's what Rashi says. Well, what, what's going on over here? So when I was in Detroit, the Shabbos, um, uh, Rabbi Lokich got up, and he said the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful Torahs I ever heard in my life. And he quoted a Balaturim and a Yalkut Shimoni. And the Balaturim and the Yalkut Shimoni say that that's not what the Pasuk is telling us. He says the following, that she saw, she saw a little baby, and behold, there was a young boy crying, says the Yalka Shimoni, Aharon. She saw the baby Moshe, but the Nah that was crying was Aaron. She'aron Omad Shum. Aaron was standing there. Ubochalov. And he was and he was crying for him. So Rabbi Lokich said. That there's a medrash, a medrash that I never saw, but he quoted it from inside, interesting medrash. And the medrash says that Esav went to Yishmael and told Yishmael, listen, I want to kill my brother Yaakov, but I can't. Because as long as my father Yitzchak's alive, I can't do that to my father. But you, Yishmael, you hate your brother Yitzchak. So you kill Yitzchak, and if you kill Yitzchak, 
then I can kill Yaakov because my father won't be alive anymore. So you kill your brother Yitzchak, I'll kill my brother Yaakov, there won't be no Yitzchak and Yaakov, and the two of us will divide the world. All the money and everything that's left, we'll divide. Says the Medrash, that Esau in his mind said that after Yishmael kills Yitzchak and he kills Yaakov, he's going to kill Yishmael. And once he kills his uncle Yishmael, he is now the has the whole world to himself. He read it from inside. with the Medrash. So, <coughs> Batya, Basparo, was the daughter of a king. She knew that in kingdoms, two brothers, right, in Persia and all these other places, one brother kills the other brother so that he gets the kingdom. No one wants to divide a kingdom. So there's always this mystery and stuff going on where one brother is plotting. And if you look through history, there was one brother plotting to kill the other brother so he could become a king. All of a sudden, she comes down, and she sees this little kid who's in danger of, of dying, and instead of his brother saying, good, I hope he dies so that I get everything, is crying. So he says, that's what the Pasuk is saying over here, beautiful, beautiful shot, that Vatiftach, she opened it up, and she saw the child, and she saw Aaron crying. They must be Jewish kids. If one brother is crying for the other brother when he's in trouble, that's a Jewish thing. So she said, he, they mu- it must be children of Jews because if one brother's crying, that, that, that's a riot, says the Pasuk, that she saw, supposed to be a Jewish kid. His brother standing there and crying for him that he's in trouble? It has to be a Jewish kid. Why did Hashem make this miracle? Why did Hashem make this miracle that our hand stretched out? Why didn't you just bring a little bit of a wind? Because we know that a person's name is the source of who they are. Parents, right before they name a, a daughter, I just, I didn't have this this long ago with this, one of my tummy dog called me and said she had a baby girl and they're trying to figure out what name. He didn't like this name, she didn't like that name, her mother didn't like that name. And we went through all these different names until they finally came up with a name. They, they both agreed on the name, her mother agreed on the name, the other side agreed on the name, everybody agreed. He's going Monday morning. He's going to Shul. They're naming this kid this name. He calls me on his way to Shul at 7.15 in the morning. Remember Wallstein, I know we made up last night what we're going to name our daughter. My wife called me this morning at 6.30. She woke up in this morning and this name is sticking in her head and that's the name she wants. I'm like, oh my gosh, we spent two hours last night on the phone. Back and forth, back and forth. Naomi, not Naomi, this and that. And now she woke up in the morning. She decided that she wants a name. He goes, yeah. She, she just loves this name. I said, what's the name? He tells me the name. I'm like, who's that named after? He goes, no one. <laughs> no one. Not my grandmother, not my great-grandmother, no one. She likes this name. And she's telling me that's what she wants. What do I do? I'm like, so name that name. Why? Because we know that the name comes from Shemayim. The name is your ID. It's who you are. It's your source. It's not only who you're named after, but the whole name. The name is who you are. It's Mama's your ID. And that's why it says after 120 years you come to Shemayim, you should know the Pusik of your name. That's who you are. So, Moshe Rabbeinu had to get a name from this miracle of her hand stretching. And therefore, his name was Kimin HaMayim Mishisiyu. I put my hand out. I could not reach him. I couldn't come even close to him. But I put my hand out because there was a child in trouble. And even though I could not reach him, I put my hand out. I said, listen, God, I can't reach him, but I'd like to save him. So you do what you can. So that struggle and that belief that I could do anything, right? even though I see that I can't reach him, my hand can't reach that. But that belief, that's what Moshe needed in his name to make him who he was. He did things. He brought the one came down from Shemayim. He lived in he lived in, the, in, in in Shemayim for forty days without any food. Split the yam. All the miracles that he did for someone to have that power, his name had to be Moshe. It had to be Moshe, and it had to come from something that was impossible. So if Hashem would have brought, brought the baby to him, then in the source of his name, he wouldn't have had that power of reaching out to someone to help them, even though I can't reach them. That had to be in his name. Therefore, Hashem had to make this miracle. And the, and the Yalkut ch- says that he actually had many, many, many other names. He just, I'll just go through it really fast. It says that his name was Chaver. His father, Amram, called him Chaver because he brought, he brought Amram and Miriam, Amram and Yocheved back together again because they got back together to have him as a child. So he was called Chaver. 
He, his mother, Yochebet, called him Yukasiel. So he, that was another name that he had, Yukasiel, Moshe Rabbeinu had. Um, his sister, Miriam, called him Yered, because she went down to the Nile because of him. His brother Aaron called him Avi Zanuach, Avi Zanuach, because he was Zanach Avi and Esimi. Kahas, his grandfather, called him Avi Soho. Yisklayisro, the Jews gave him a name. What did they call him? Shmaya. Shmaya ben, ben Shmaya. They called him Shmaya. Because through him Hashem heard their cries. And there's a machokes that Kahas also called him Avi Gadur. So he had all these different names. But we see the name that stuck, right? The name that stuck was Moshe. Because that was what he needed to have in his name in order to create this unbelievable Moshe Rabbeinu. So there's a very deep story. Very, very, very deep story. I'm going to try to to capture the, the deepness of the story about the fight that we have and how many times we turn around, we turn back and we turn around because we think that things are out of reach. We talked about this a few weeks ago that Yaakov didn't want to go on the ladder. Many of us would rather not try, would rather not try at all than try and fail. And, and the great people in this world are, are by trial and error. With Noah Weinberg, who opened up Eishat Torah, pretty big, pretty big, pretty successful, had, had seven or nine yeshivas that he opened and he went back and he closed. So, so you ha- can never be scared to try. If Bachabat Fah wouldn't have put out her hand, Moshe would not have been saved. You gotta put out your hand. Many times it's like, right, well, I don't do this. I, I don't do care of, I, I don't, I, I don't help kids. I don't do this. It's not what I do. It's not what she did either. It's not what Bachabat Fah did, saving kids. She was the daughter of, of the king. That's not what she did, did. But when she saw a kid in trouble, right? She, she stopped and she, and she, and she saved him. And, and actually, it actually came back out, it came back out in his name. Because you see, she had this kayak. Where did, where did this happen? She had this kayak. And even though she, 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 she was very far away, but she saw, and I, I spoke about this last night a lot, that the first thing has to be that you see. I, I was in shul last week and a kid slammed the door in my face. I was coming out, he was going into shul and I was coming out of shul and, he, and he, he didn't hold the door open. He just walked in and just, boom, the door was right in my face. So I turned around and said, excuse me? You know, you just slammed the door in my face? He goes, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't see you. I'm like, I know you didn't see me because I know you wouldn't slam the door in my face if you saw me. That's the problem, is that you didn't see me. Anytime you hurt someone and your answer is, I'm really sorry I didn't see you, like I ran you over, but I, I'm sorry I didn't see you, right? That's the problem. The problem is that when we hurt people, it's because we don't see them. So in all the different miracles, and that's not my share tonight, in all the different relationships, like Avram Avinu, Vayar, he saw the Malachim, Yosef HaTzadik, Vayar, he saw the two guys that they were, they were, they woke up in that morning and they were in a very bad state of affairs, right? It's always the word Vayar. The, the Malach that found them wandering, Vayar, it's always Vayar. So if you look here, by her, right? It says the same thing. She saw it. Right? Doesn't have to say by If she opened the basket, of she saw the kid, right? The Torah is telling you she saw the yelled. She saw what's going on. She saw what he's all about. Again, the second look that we talked about. Here's again the second look. She saw the basket, then she opened it up and she saw the yelled. Of course she saw the yelled. If she opened the basket and there's a kid in the basket, right? No, it's, it's that second look. She, she saw what this is, who this is, the leader of Israel. She saw that he's very special. She saw that he's different. She saw that he's a Jew. So this kayak, when we talk about spiritual DNA, right, this kayak that she had, that she, she saw something, it bothered her, right, came out much later in two places in Moshe Rabbeinu. Spiritual DNA. It says, Vayidah HaYeled, and Moshe Rabbeinu became great. He became the prince of Egypt, right? And he Moshe became great. And he went out. And the Medrash said that one of the reasons that God picked him to be the leader of Klai Yisrael was 
he was able to see somebody else's pain. So he came out, he's the leader of Mitzrayim, he's the prince of Egypt, but what did he see? He saw that Klai Yisrael, in general, was in trouble, was in pain, but still not a leader. It's very nice, a Rebbe knows his class is not doing well. It's very nice that the person knows that the situation isn't good. But what makes a leader? The Pasuk says, He saw the detail. He saw the singular person. He saw that there was an Ish Mitzri that was hitting one of his brothers. It doesn't say Maki Ish Ivri. It says Maki Ish Ivri Me'echav. He was hitting a Jew. We know that Jews were Moshe Rabbeinu's brothers. No. He looked at this Jew as his own brother. Not, oh, one of the Jewish people is getting hit. Okay, it's not the end of, not the end of the world, right? No. He had this, this, this power of seeing, like his, like, like Bachebas Paro, who adopted him, but gave him the name. So even though she wasn't his maternal mother, she gave him the name. And that gave her a connection to who he would become. Because the name is very, very important. And then it says, he looked back and forth and he saw that from this mitzri, nobody else was coming. So Moshe Rabbeinu had this kayach of that when he walked out, yeah, right, if someone's walking in the door, they didn't slam the door in somebody else's face because he saw, he looked. There's many times you're like, I'm like, how come you didn't help that person? I, I, I didn't see her. I, I didn't see her sitting on the floor. What do you mean you didn't see her? You're on your, your cell phone. You're, you're so busy with everything else. You talk, I don't see what's going on. You don't see this person needs help. So the first thing a person needs to have the ability is to see. And then, even if you don't think you can help, but I can't do this, Rabbi, put your hand out. Let God do what he has to do. You put your hand out. That's what Bacha Basparo did. But later on, this Mida in Moshe Rabbeinu, later on when he's in the desert, right? Moshe HaYeroya, listen to what the Pasuk says. Vayera Malach Hashem Elav Lavas Eish. The Malach of Hashem appeared in a in a, a flame, in the, in the bush, again, Moshe Benu had this kayak of seeing, and he sees there's a bush burning, but the bush is not burning. There's a fire in the bush, but the bush is not burning. The leaves are green. They're not, they're not burning. And Moshe said, not thought, he said, let me turn around, let me move over. Let's see how they, how they translate it. Gimel. I will turn aside, right? A suunah will turn aside. The eres hamara hagadol hazeh. I gotta take, I gotta check this out. This is, this is unbelievable. A burning bush and the bush isn't burning. Madu'a lo yiver hasneh. He didn't just see it. He asked. What's going on over here? Who else did that? Remember last week's share? Yeshiva Tzadik. Yeshiva Tzadik said, Madua, why do you guys look so bad? How do you become a leader, girls? You have to ask. You can't just walk by everything. And it's not my problem. And it's not my business. And I'm on my phone or wherever I am. Madua, why? You have to ask. People say, like, you know, I, I had this, this school that I w- wanted to go speak about, Hakar Satov. And they say, we really would rather that you don't come speak in our school. I said, why? They said, because you talk on subjects that when, when you speak, people have, you open up their minds. And we're worried that our girls, if you speak, are going to have questions. So we'd, ra- is it? So we'd rather, we'd rather that you don't speak. We have other people that come speak, but they don't, they don't, you know, the kids don't have questions. But when you come in, you open their minds. And once you open their minds, they're going to start asking questions. And we don't really have the teachers and the staff to answer those questions. So they're going to end up going with the derech. I don't know what's going to happen if you speak. So, so I said to this principal, aha. I said, aha. So, so you don't want your kids to ask questions because it's dangerous. They might go off the derech. I'm like, so, you, so you're telling me that you don't teach Rashi in your school? She says, of course we teach Rashi. I'm like, but every Rashi asks a kasha. Every Rashi asks a question. So why aren't you worried about them going off the derech? Like, Rashi asked many questions, right? So, that's not Judaism. Sometimes, there are questions that you have to accept that with our brains, we just don't have the ability to understand. That's fine. 
So what made Yosef at Tzadik who he was is, why do you look so miserable? What made Moshe Rabbeinu who he was? Look at the Pasuk. The Torah says, ask questions. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I don't understand. Madua, why? Why? He said, I don't understand. Why isn't this bush burning? Now listen to the Pasuk. The Pasuk is very clear. So now Hashem did not speak to Moshe Rabbeinu yet. He saw a burning bush. There's a malach in the bush. There's a fire in the bush. But so far, since he was born, we have no rai in the Torah that God ever spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu at this point. The first time Hashem speaks to the leader of Klai Yisrael, to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is what the Pasuk says. Vayar Hashem, and Hashem saw, ki liros, that Moshe turned aside to see what's going on. He doesn't just take everything for granted. He will never say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see it. Right? Who knows how many people walked by that burning bush and didn't care? It seems to be because Hashem saw that Moshe Rabbeinu turned aside, Hashem called him, and the first time Hashem ever spoke to him, Hashem said to him, Moshe, Moshe, and we know when Hashem calls you with Avram, Avram, or Moshe, Moshe, it's a lushan of chiba, it's a lushan of love. When you call someone twice by their name. So the first time Hashem ever spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu was only because, the Pasuk says, that he saw that Moshe Rabbeinu stopped, turned around, asked, what's going on here? Hashem said, a person who sees something that's a little off and asks, what's going on here, that's a leader. That's a teacher, that's a principal, that's a leader, that's a parent, that's a, that's, that's a relationship. Many relationships that I deal with that are not good for Shalom Bias, it's because he, he never realized there was a problem. And, and he says, I didn't know that. Or she says, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was anything wrong with that. I didn't know that. And the answer is, of course not. You Like this kid, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. And how many relationships do people say, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. That's the problem with the relationship, is that you didn't see you, and you didn't ask my dua. How come today, every day you're so happy, today you're not happy? So you have to ask. So that was the mina in Moshe Rabbeinu, right? That he saw something, and he, and he asked a question, and he reacted. His name came from a woman who saw something. There's a basket out of the water. What's going on? I gotta find out what's going on. I gotta stretch my hand out, even though it doesn't reach. That was who he was. That is a leader. A leader is a person who sees and asks questions. So Hashem, the first, what happened before Hashem said, Moshe, Moshe, Hashem saw, then he asked the question, what's going on over here? And that's the problem, that in, in our generation, we're so busy that we don't even see what's going on. And even if we see what's going on, we don't have time to ask any questions. It's not my problem. Some kids smoking on Shabbos and on Ocean Parkway. It's not my problem. It's his mother's problem. It's not my problem. And the answer is, yes, it is your problem. You, you're supposed to see it, or you wouldn't have seen it. You would have never seen it. If you saw it, you're supposed to say, why? Why is this happening? And I have to do something. But more often, I, I, don't, I don't do, I don't, I don't, I don't do, you know, Kirov. Well, Bajibas Paro doesn't do fire rescue in the middle of the Nile River either. Especially if her hand is two feet long and the kid's 20 feet away. Right? But she put her hand out anyway. She put her hand out anyway. She didn't ask her girls to go swim out and get the boat, go, go, go get the basket. She put her hand out anyway, even though she knew she couldn't reach. That was the, that was the bacha, and he was, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu was considered like her son. She gave him the name, and that name that stuck. Because I want to tell you this story. It's a very deep story, and it has a lot of, a lot of meaning to it. I'm not great enough to explain it in all its aspects, but we'll try just to, sort of explain it that we could understand it. So the story is like this. There was once a Rav, there was once a rabbi, and he had no children. And finally, finally, Baruch Hashem, Hashem gave him a son. And he raised him, and he married him off. Now this son was extremely smart. And he would sit upstairs in his room, and he would learn. As was customary, and he would daven, and he would learn, and he was... He did everything that he was supposed to do. Except he felt that there was something lacking. There was a void. There was something missing. So he didn't know what it was. But he didn't feel like a lot of kids in our generation. He didn't feel any inspiration. He was going through it. He was, go- he was learning. He was doing what he was supposed to. 
but he didn't feel any inspiration. He didn't feel it in his learning, he didn't feel it in his davening. So, he spoke to two of his friends, and he told them, listen, every day I'm up in my room, and I'm learning, I'm davening, but I'm going through, it's rote. I'm, 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 not, I'm not feeling any inspiration. So they said, listen, there's a tzaddik, far away, a very big tzaddik, go to him, tell him that you don't feel inspiration, tell him what's going on, and when you meet him, he, he's a big tzaddik, he'll give you some of his light, and you'll feel very inspired, and you'll feel very, you know, full. The void will be full. Okay? So, to become a vessel of Kedusha, to become holy, and to, and to be connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you, you, have to, you have to do something in your life, right? It's, they, they, they always ask, like, what was this, what did you, they always ask Gedolim, like, what was the thing that you did right in your life that Hashem gave you this chush to become the Galadar? You have to do something right to become a keli, to become a vessel to accept holiness and spirituality. So, this kid, right, it's sort of like the moon. We, we, our neshamas, our souls, have the ability to reflect off the kisar covered, off the kedusha that Hashem puts into the world, right? We're sort of a reflection. We're sort of the moon. We are the moon. God is like the sun, right? And we reflect His kedusha. We don't, we don't have our own. We reflect of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Our neshama is a reflection of God's, God's soul. So let's say God's kedusha. So we have that reflection. So we, we need that connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So he decided, this boy, that okay, my friends are right. Let's go see the tzaddik. So he goes to his father. And he tells his father, who's a big rabbi, he says, listen, Dad, I love you very much. I'm learning. I'm davening. I don't feel any inspiration. I would love to go. I want your permission for me to go to this big tzaddik. So his father said, why should you go to a big tzaddik? You are a more accomplished scholar than this tzaddik could be. You are such a tzaddik. You sit upstairs. You learn. You daven. You're so holy, my son. You don't need to go to anyone for inspiration. Your family background, I'm a big rub, you come from Rabbanim. What do you need to go on this trip for? So, give up the idea. And he didn't let his son go. So the kid said, okay, maybe you're right, Tati, maybe I don't need to go. So he went up to he started learning again. But he, he felt like he has no inspiration. So he went back to his friends, he says, well, my father doesn't want me to go. He says I'm bigger than this guy that, that I want to go to. But I'm still... I'm not getting the inspiration that I need. So, the boy said, go to the tzaddik. And he went back to his father. And again, his father didn't let him go. And this happened a number of times. Anyway, the kid, he, he, just, he, he was very upset. He was starting to get depressed. And he told his father, listen, I, I, I need to go. It's not working. I know you think I'm great and everything. It's just not working. I have to go see this rabbi. Maybe he can give me the inspiration that I need. So, the father said, okay, but on one condition, I go with you. I'm not going to go to some guy I don't know, right? I'm a big tzaddik, you're a big tzaddik. I don't know, we have to go see this big tzaddik, but if you want to go, I'll go with you. Fine. So, and I'll show you when we meet the tzaddik that if you think he's so great, he's not so great. So they, they got a carriage, and they set off to see the tzaddik. What the father said, I just want to tell you something before we go. If it's been a Shemayim, that you should meet this tzaddik, then everything is going to go smoothly. But if something goes wrong on this trip, we're going to turn around right away. That means that Hashem does not want us to go. Okay? So, they start to go. What happens? They come to a small bridge. And when they get to the bridge, the horse slips and the carriage turns over and they almost drown. So the father says to the kid, ah, you see, things didn't go smoothly. It's not supposed to happen. Hashem doesn't want this to happen. Let's go home. They went home. The son goes back upstairs. He starts to learn again. He starts to daven again. It's not happening. Goes back down to his father. And he says to his father, listen, um, I know what happened last time, that the thing turned over, but I think we should try again. The father says, okay, I'll do it one more time. I'm telling you right now, if it doesn't go smoothly, I'm not going with you anymore. We're not going. So they come to the bridge. Both the axles, the axles that hold the wheels, 
crack. His father said, okay, you see, now Hashem surely showing you that we're not supposed to go, we're going back home, they go back home again, the same thing happens. We could be here all night. Um, <laughs> so the son goes downstairs to his father and says, listen, Dad, this is the deal. We're going. And I don't want you to do no more tests. We, we still have two minutes. I don't want you to do any more tests. We're going, and if the axle breaks, we fix the axle. And if the horses turn over, we get new horses. No tests. Don't test Hashem. I have to meet this rabbi. Father says, okay, you see, his son, his mom is so strong. Okay, we'll go. And they go. And they come, and, and they go over the bridge, and nothing happens, and they come to an inn. They're on their way to see the tzaddik to rest. And there they encounter a merchant, right? There's a merchant that's sitting and eating lunch, and there's a guy sitting there. So they begin to talk to him. And as merchants do, right, they don't tell them where they're going. You don't tell someone else where you're going if you're a merchant, because then he's going to go steal your stuff and, 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 and try to sell it. So the rabbi, the father was ashamed to admit that he was going to a tzaddik, because he himself was a rabbi. He was going to tell, I need to go to a tzaddik. So they just talked about worldly affairs and politics and all that. But the merchant started pushing, pushing, where are you going, where are you going? Finally, the kid said, we're going to see a tzaddik. I'm, I don't feel accomplished. I don't feel inspired. We're going to see a tzaddik. And the merchant said, who are you going to see? What tzaddik? And they said the name of the tzaddik. And he said, him? He's worthless. He says, I'm coming from him now. And I, when I went to see him, I also heard he was a great tzaddik. I saw him commit a sin. So you guys are wasting your time. So the rabbi turns to his son and he says, you see, it's Minashemayim. You didn't want any way that something breaks that we should continue going. And now Hashem sent us a merchant, another person that was there, and he saw this guy committing a sin. There's no way that we should go there. So they went home. <laughs> so they went home. Soon afterward, that they got home, the son died. The son died. The boy died. And in a dream, the boy came back to his father in a dream, and he was very angry. And the father asked him, "Why are you so angry at me?" And he said. Go to the tzaddik that I, that I wanted you, that I wanted to visit, and he will tell you why I'm angry. So the father woke up and he said, eh, it's just a dream. I'm not taking this seriously. I'm not going to the tzaddik. And he went back to sleep and he had the same dream again. He woke up again and he said, ah, the stupid dream. It's not true. I'm not going to know tzaddik. And then a third time he realized, uh oh, I need to go to the tzaddik. On the way, it's a new ridiculous story. So first of all, first of all, two things. Number one, they listen to Lashon Hara. And once they listen to Lashon Hara about the tzaddik, that he didn't have air, this to Lashon Hara, this boy no longer could reflect the kedusha of the tzaddik. A person's soul who listens to Lashon Hara can't reflect the holiness of God. It's over. So there was no reason for this boy to live anymore. Because his whole life was to be a reflection of the tzaddik. Well, we'll see soon. That was number one. Number two, here's a father, and it's so true about us as people, who said, if the axle breaks or something happens, that means that God's showing me a sign that we should not go. But he has a dream, and his son comes to him in a dream, that's not a sign. And then he has a second dream, it's the same thing, that's not a sign. So you're only looking for signs in the things that you want to believe. Because what bigger sign is it? He came in two dreams. Oh no, that's, it's, it's just a dream. So he could have just said, that's just an axle breaking. No, because that's what he wanted. He didn't want to go to the tzaddik. So he was looking for an excuse. The same, the same guy who believes in signs had three dreams and he doesn't believe it's true. As human beings, that's what we do. We, we believe in signs when we want to believe in what we want to believe. Okay. So, he, he's on his way to the tzaddik and he, comes to an inn and he sits down to eat the same merchant is there that was there the first time so the merchant he, he recognized the merchant he says aren't you the one I met in the inn last time I was here and the merchant says you certainly did see me and the merchant says to the rabbi if you want I will swallow you up alive he says to him 
excuse me? What are you saying? He says, the merchant says to him, do you remember when you were traveling with your son? First the horse slipped on the bridge and you turned back. Then the axles broke and you turned back. Finally you met me and I told you that the tzaddik was worthless because I saw him sin. And you turned back. He said, well, since I killed your son, now you can make the journey. Because I'm not a merchant. I am the satan and the malach That's what he tells the father. And he tells the father, your son was a keli that was so pure and so perfect that the tzaddik, who was the aspect of the great light, if the two of them had come together, the sheikh would have come. But now that I made you, that you turn back and I caused your son to die, now you can, you can go to the tzaddik because it ain't going to help you. He says, and while he was speaking to the merchant, the merchant vanished. And the rabbi had no one else to speak to. When the rabbi finally got to the tzaddik, he screamed, whoa, whoa, woe is to those who are lost and no longer can be found. May Hashem return our lost ones amain. So, he says the merchant in the story was the evil one, of course. He disguised himself as the merchant in order to fool the rabbi. And when he met him the second time, now he tormented the rabbi for turning away and for and for losing to him. Which we know that the Satan, you know, he he, he now what let me tell you the deep part of this whole thing. It's a deep part. What's this what's this sort of, sort of a Nachman story? What? What what do you want to ask? Right, so it says he went, he went, he got to the tzaddik, he screamed, whoa, whoa, I, I'm sorry I, that my son's not here. I can't bring Mashiach. He, he said, well, oh, yeah, yeah, look what I did, look what I did. He, he came, the merchant disappeared. When you do an Aveir, it's, it's, it's the whole, okay, so what, what's really going on here? This is a this is an unbelievable story. What's Rav Nachman saying? He's saying like this. Who's the, who's, who's the father and who's the son? The son is the soul. The father is the body. And the, the, the soul feels very unaccomplished, right? It, it strives for spirituality. There's a void. There's a void. So the soul tells the body, it's an unbelievable story. It's, it's so deep. It's so true. The soul tells the body, let's go to the rabbi, means let's go to the Torah. Let's go learn. Let's go do mitzvahs. Let's do tzniyas. Let's do kibbutz. Let's do all this stuff. And the body tells the soul, hey, you're good. We're good. You're holy. We don't need to do all this stuff. You know, other people, you're just as good as everybody else. You don't need to dive in extra. You're good. You do, people always, I, I do with people who are not Shemeshav. You know what they tell me? I'm a good Jew. I'm a good Jew. I, I, I do chesed. You know, I help people. I'm nice. Why do I need all that Torah and all those mitzvahs? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Why do I have to do that? I have to be sneers? So I wear, I'm not sneers, but I do good things. I help people. I'm part of the sisterhood. I'm an assistant of my school. Oh, come on. You know? I help little kids. So the, 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 the rabbi in the story is the goof. And the rabbi keeps telling the neshama, eh, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. So what happens? The neshama keeps telling the goof, but I need a connection. I need, I need, I need kedusha. I need, I need more, more learning. I need more growth, right? So the goof says, okay, 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 okay. But I'm telling you right now, that if, because we're learning, you're, you're not making so much money, or because we want to do this chesed, and you lost out on something, I'm telling you, that's a sign that you're doing too much. That you're doing too much. Things are not good for the good. Look, you sat up all night and helped this person, and the next day you got the flu. Oh, must be Hashem doesn't want you to help anybody. Turn around, let's go back. And that happens once. And it happens twice. And in the story, the Sahara comes along, Right? And the Yitzhahara calls into your head and says, well, I know girls that are sneers, but they cheat. I know rabbis, right? You're supposed to listen to your rabbis, but there, there was a rabbi in the New York Times the other day that was doing this and that. It's the same thing in the story. You're going to see this rabbi? He sins. That's what Yitzhahara calls in your head and says, oh, from people? I know from people that do this, and I know from people that do that. So first of all, you're Makabal Shanhara. So you're ready, your level of Kedusha is not there. And the Yitzhahara stops the rabbi, the guf, 
from taking the soul, the son, the neshama, to a higher level. And when the person dies, and the neshama is not here anymore, the, the, the goof finds out that had it allowed the neshama to get to the level that it wanted to get and to meet that kedusha, that light, that spirituality, could have brought Mashiach. What happens? Yitzhahara, after he gets you to do an Aveira, he disappears. The merchant that's advising you, go to the movies, go do this, talk to the boy, go that, do this, do that, do that. He's in your head, he's the merchant, he's telling you, all that stuff is not real, right? And all of a sudden, he disappears. He's not there anymore. When you're getting punished, when you're going through the hard stuff, he disappears. And you find out that the guy, right, that tripped you up all the time, your whole life, 120 years, it wasn't a sign from Hashem that you should turn around. But it was the Yitzhahara, the guy who looked like a tzaddik. Oh, don't go to this guy. Don't do that. That's not going to help you any. He's disguised as the Yitzhahara. That's his whole story. That's sort of Nachman's whole story. And you get all kinds of signs. And you only look. All the stuff that happens in the story happens to us in, in our lives. And at the end, the neshama says, and the goof says, oh, yeah, yeah, look what I did. I stopped the neshama for 120 years. I had this holy son, whose holy son who felt his void, and I never, I never let, it, let, let him fill his void. Oh, yeah, yeah, look what I did. I comes to the rub. What, what do you mean he comes at the end to the tzaddik? And the tzaddik doesn't say anything to him. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, after 120 years, you meet the shekhinah, right? And the goof says, oh, look what I did. I held him back the whole time. I saw all these different signs. I had this, this, this girl who came to me and she was going out with this boy and just like anything that could go wrong went wrong. They really liked each other, but just like they parked, they got towed. You know what, what he went, they went on a date and the credit card didn't work. And, and like they really, really liked each other, but like everything that could go wrong got wrong. And then the parents met, right? And the parents had a big fight at the meeting for support. So this girl did the worst thing she could have done, and she went to her friends, and she told her friends the situation. And I'm going out with this guy, I really like him, but wherever we go, everything falls apart. It's just like, and they said, oh, it's, he's the wrong guy, there's just no mazel. Look, if it was mazel, then it would be very easy, and all these things wouldn't be happening. It looks like Hashem is trying to break up this relationship. He's trying to tell you something! He's trying to tell you this boy's not for you. You think your parents would be fighting if he was for you? You think he would have been towed if it was for you? And he got two flats on the Garden State Parkway? But Shem wanted this? Why would he get flats on the Garden State Parkway? Right? Must be your friends, the big Chachamim. Chachamim, her friends, got together and figured out that this shidduch's not supposed to happen, be like in this story, because everything else, everything is going wrong. So she came to me and she said, should I break it up? It's just not, it's just, we like each other. But everything else doesn't work. So I said to her, tell your smart friends that, who are jealous that you're getting about to get engaged. Of course, that's the subconscious. We're not going to get into that whole thought, right? That's the whole subconscious. You're getting engaged. So we're going to, like this guy, exactly like the story. He didn't want to go, so he was like, oh, broke. <laughs> if the axle's broke. Instead of, what should he have said? What should the father have said, girls? Should have said, oh my gosh, it's so important that this boy meets this tzaddik that the satan is breaking the axles, turning over the horses, sending people to tell us bad things, the harder it is means the more important it is, right? So instead of saying that, because he didn't want his son to go, he translated it as, well, bad things. So I said to her, your friends, you know, with, with all respect, they love you, but you're about to get engaged to this really great guy. And they're like, oh, must be these things are happening because Hashem doesn't want it. Right? They became like big mukubalim. Hashem doesn't want it. And I'm thinking, oh, you don't want it. Because you want to be single like you are, but we're not going to talk about that. So I said, let me ask you something. If you and your husband's son that's going to come, you and this guy are going to get married, you're going to have a boy, and that boy is Moshiach, well, that boy is going to become a Gadol Hadar. You think the Satan is going to make it easy for you to get married or make sure you get four flats? Forget the credit card, get towed, parents are fighting, and everything could go wrong. What do you think the Satan's going to make it go smooth? Because he wants Moshiach, and he wants a big tzaddik to come into the world. I'm like, this guy is so for you, you have no idea, because he is throwing flats, lack of credit cards, getting towed, your parents can't even see, he is doing whatever he can to break you two up. 
That's Rav Nachman's story. That's exactly this story. If it's hard, does not mean that it's not supposed to be. Just the opposite. If you want to do something right, and it's hard, don't let your goof, your body, the father, tell the son, your soul, don't let him tell you, do you know why it's hard? Because you're not supposed to be doing this. It's too much, and Hashem doesn't really want it. That is the merchant. That is the satan. May we all be zaycha to have the kayak of batya, to be able to stretch out our hands when we want to do things that are good and have the ability to see it come to fruition. The main thing is that you need to have the will to try. May you all have the vision of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Vayar, of being able to see another person's pain, which, which Moshe Rabbeinu and Yosef HaTzadik had. And Mitz Hashem, may we all be Zeicher, Bimher Bimeinu, that we do get to meet the great rabbi, the great light, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that on Shama Shataka be on that level, and we should bring Mashiach and the Gael Bimher Bimeinu Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.